Hi friend, you are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, a podcast created especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. My name is Janelle Wood, and while I have a background in counseling and ministry with women, the truth is I've been through my own seasons of questioning my faith. So if you've ever struggled with not being sure where you belong, or you felt like you were faking faith, or maybe a friend just shared this episode with you and you are feeling a little wounded or skeptical of all things God-related right now, welcome. This podcast is just for you. Finding Something Real is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. My passion is Jesus Christ, and for me now, after having crawled through some real ups and downs on my own faith journey, I believe Christ is the hope and the answer to this world more than ever. But don't take my word for it. Listen to my friends as they share their own grace-filled journeys. My prayer is that if you haven't already, you'll find something real too. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and you are listening to part three of a three-part conversation with our special guest, Casey Leander. Casey is an apologist, and he's here to talk with Tori Carpenter, our February co-host, about some questions she has regarding Christian faith. Um, I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Enjoy, friend. And in a sense, I would almost say it's not God's fault that he can't be around evil, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. if he's truly good, he hates evil. Um, uh, but I also think he intends justice. So then, so then here's a question. Is, yeah. is, hell, um, is hell a created place? Or is it just, like, did God create it? Or did, is it a, is it, has it always been? Which I guess both, if you look at it both ways, now that I think about it, like if if it's created, it would be an extension of God. If it's uncreated, then it would by definition be God. Yeah. What what do you think? (laughs) I mean, that's a powerful philosophical question. Um, Yeah, I I think it, I think it does. Casey, doesn't it It reflects on God, yeah. Doesn't it say that it was prepared for the devil and his, uh, there you go, Janelle. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but hmm, so then it was, but here's what I, yeah. what I've heard and that mm-hmm. I feel, cause I've wrestled with this question too, Tori. Um, like <laughs> that makes me feel better. <laughs> Seriously, who, nobody wants anyone to go to hell. Right. And I don't think God does either. And what I, what I rest in is knowing that it's actually a natural outpouring of like rejecting who created you rejecting like what you were saying, Casey, that we actually have, God gives us the opportunity to, to see him, right? We can, we can come to him. We can, we can choose life. We can choose to surrender our life to the Lord and let him do the work in us. Um, or we can say, you know what, do a big middle finger and say, I don't, I don't need you. And so then I've heard too, that people that, (laughs) When you die, you don't want to be with a God that you've rejected your whole life. Why would you want to be with him? Why would you want to be close to him? You know, and scripture is very clear that he is, he's the light of, uh, you know, the, the new heaven and earth. And so what if hell, what if hell is, and I don't know, I probably am wrong on this. I probably am. But what if hell is um, rejecting perfect love, always rejecting perfect love? yet never being able to truly escape it i mean that would be torment yes it yes it would i think at a minimum i think you're right um 
whether or not that's everything that hell is, is probably the, the question, but I think, I think you're, you're completely right. I mean, some of my, my absolute favorite book of all time is the great divorce by CS Lewis. Oh yeah. Have you read that? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, I'm so <laughs> glad. I think he paints such a, an incredible picture of human nature there because we want to think that we're always capable of being rational. Um, but actually our decisions impact how rational we're then able to be. And you see people who consistently choose to reject God. You actually see them start to behave irrationally. And, and, and like in that book, right there on a bus trip, uh, these souls come up from hell and they get to spend a day in heaven and, and they're offered a chance to stay there. Anyone can stay who wants. Um, uh, it's not always easy for them. They have to like sort of surrender parts of themselves that they, they didn't want to, but anyone can stay who wants to. And a huge number of people get back on the bus and go down to hell again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Lewis really goes into the different reasons uh, for why each person does that. And I, I think it's fascinating and it's convicting because I know my heart and I know in the last analysis, I am sometimes willing to just shake my fist at God and say, forget you. I want what I want. I don't care who it hurts. Um, but the beauty of grace is that we've all done that. (laughs) Like, like we've all done that. And yet God again and again and again, keeps coming after us and wooing us back. Can I ask a a follow-up question to that real quick? And it's kind of pivoting, but it's along the same lines. It's a question I've had actually. And, uh, I wonder if you've ever thought it, Casey, or if it's ever come up in your conversations with people. But I know it's by grace we've been saved through faith, right? This is not of ourselves. It's a gift of God so that no one can boast, right? That's scripture. I'll put a link in the, in the show notes. But I've often thought, man, uh, I'm such a sinner. You know, Tori and I talked about this after we recorded her episode. I said, I, I've never questioned that, you know, oh, I'm, I'm good because I know like what's inside of me, right? I know what's inside. I look around and I see evil. Um, but sometimes I think, What's so special about when we die and go to eternity? Like, am I going to screw up heaven because of my sinful nature? Like, how does it really get redeemed? Um, that's a question that I've had. Have you ever heard that brought up before? Oh, totally. And Janelle, thank you for bringing that up because that reminded me, Tori, of something you guys talked about in your your first episode, um, uh, which has to do with like total depravity. Like, I remember you saying, and I want to know if you if you would hold to this. Like, you're like, I don't feel like totally bad. Like, I don't, I don't feel depraved all the time. Like, like, and it seems like you, yeah, like I, yeah. Yeah. Like I yeah. really don't feel like I'm that bad. <laughs> like I grew up in a Baptist, the fundamental Baptist church. And I would hear all the time, like, you're totally depraved. You're totally wicked. You're deceitful above all things. You're terrible. And I remember thinking like, as a kid, like, I don't think I'm that bad. I, I love my parents. I love my sister's I, I'm honest. I'm a good student. Like, I don't think I'm that bad. Yeah. This question is so great. Like, yes. I wrestle with this all the time. I mean, the thing I wanted to say to you right then, like, as I was listening to this was there's, again, we have the words total depravity as a doctrine that many Christians adhere to, but it means different things for different Christians. Um, some Christians would say total depravity means you, you're incapable of doing anything good. And even the good things you think you're doing, you're doing for bad reasons. Um, other Christians, and I'd probably put myself in this camp, uh, would say that total depravity means there's no element of our lives that's untouched by sin. Um, but either one of those that you take 
I think we're still confronted, if we believe the Bible, by both the incredible beauty of people. I mean, we are made in the image of God. And you brought up newborn children. And I just think, like, that is a perfect example. Like, they're, they're precious. They're perfect. Like, like, they're so deeply loved. What we feel towards them is a fraction of what God feels towards us. Mm-hmm. We're, we're made in the image of God the love and the joy that we feel, even the most wretched person on this earth feels exquisite amounts of joy and happiness. When you, when you compare it to the rest of, of the world of the animal kingdom and of, of creation, it's like we're capable of such high heights and we're capable of such low depths. And so I think that a helpful analogy for me comes from Lewis in the great divorce. And, and the reason he calls it the great divorce is that he's arguing we are all in a trajectory and we might start over here and we might start over here, but we're given the choice throughout our lives, which trajectory we're going to take. And so the great divorce in the end is the divorce between heaven on one side and hell on the other. Right now they're into intermingled. Like Jesus talked about the parable of the wheat and the chaff that are grown up together. Right. And that's all of us. That's our hearts. But at some point, God's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. And, and you see that naturally with our decisions. Addictions don't just magically get better if you don't do anything about them. Like if I'm addicted to alcohol, that's going to get worse and worse and worse unless I, unless I do something, if I, unless I surrender something about myself that craves that alcohol and I try to make a left turn. You know what I mean? Um, similarly, goodness grows on itself. And that's the, what we would call sanctification as Christians. And so heaven and hell for Lewis represent the end, the end most points of that. And what he's doing is he's actually responding to a book that someone had written called The Marriage of Heaven and Hell, essentially saying heaven and hell are the same thing. Ultimately, at the end of the day, they're just stickers we apply, arbitrary things we say about different things. And Lewis is saying wrong, (laughs) wrong. Good matters and evil for that reason matters. And they're headed in a trajectory that God wants to save us from. But in the end of the day, we are going to have to choose one or the other. So that's where I land on that. And, and exactly the nuts and bolts of how that happens before and after death, I'm not sure. I like to think, Janelle, that God just says, hey, Casey, my son, we worked so hard on this, uh, on this deal with laziness your whole <laughs> life, and you wasted a lot of time. But uh, zap, like that's gone. That tendency to laziness is gone. I'm removing it. He can do that. You know I what I mean? So. Um, so- some Christians like Wesleyans would say we get closer and closer to sanctification as, as we age. And, you know, by the time you're old, you're capable of actually walking only in the spirit, not in the flesh ever. I don't know. Christians differ on that, but I, but I think the trajectory is what is what helps me answer that question. One last thing. This is gosh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm talking so no, much. This is great. I'm, I'm captivated. This is great. Tori, you got, a bad dose of bad religion. And, and, and the truth is, and this is the unfortunate truth, we've all gotten this and we've all dished this out also. That's the hard part. I know I've dished this out. If I'm being really honest, I've dished this out. And it's, and it's probably, it's what I find in how people spoke to you about total depravity. Um, there's kind of a, an attempt at humility there because we see the pride in people. And, and I think a lot of Christians hate that. And they're like, I won't be proud. I won't be proud. So they, they're whipping themselves. I'm bad. Ah, I'm stupid. I'm horrible. Like I'm depraved. Yeah. I'm a depraved wretch. Um, and, uh, and so are you. And no one is good. No one is, no one is righteous. And like, here's the thing. All of that is true. 
but it's not the gospel. All of that, it's like, it's like what they're doing is lowering the drawbridge. Okay, the drawbridge is down. I am a sinner. I have to lower the drawbridge and admit to God the things that I've done that are bad. That I know, not the things that I'm like, was that bad? But the things that I know I did that are bad. That, that's enough right there to condemn me and to drive me to my knees and say, God, I ha- I'm a sinner. I've done bad things. Now I've lowered the drawbridge. But the problem is some Christians don't walk across the drawbridge into the wedding banquet. Where God says that you, you've repented and now enter into the joy of your master. Prodigal son, you thought you were, you were going to have to crawl back through the mud and the crap to get back to me. But you're wrong. I'm running out to meet you. I'm washing you off. I'm cleaning up. I'm giving you new robes. Now come into the feast. Like, like you've been welcomed into the fullness of joy. And, and, and because of that, what you need to then give to the people around you is more of the same. Not condemnation, but love, unconditional love, no matter what they do to you, because you know what I did for you. And so I see Christians miss the gospel. Like we talk about prosperity Christians who are like, I'm amazing. And like, I deserve God's favor. And like, I have enough faith, so I deserve it. Well, to be honest, the pendulum swings to a different side. And we have miserable Christians who are like, (laughs) like, I'm the worst. Like, I'm a horrible wretch. And like, yes, isn't that amazing? Like, and God loves you anyway. And so, and so here's the thing. If you lower the drawbridge, but don't cross, you will continually make everyone around you miserable by heaping the condemnation that you feel in your heart that's unresolved onto them. You are not living in the fullness of the gospel. And, and I was reading, Tori, in, in preparation for this podcast, I read in Matthew, which I, I remember you saying that you were going to read through. Uh, when you get to Matthew 23, read this. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything that they tell you, but do not do what they do for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. I mean, that is as resounding as it gets about what Jesus thinks about our shame and our guilt and our legalism that we put on ourselves. Walk across the drawbridge, like heal that unresolved wound in your heart and let God forgive you and then live with with freedom and and love towards the people around you. That's the actual gospel, right? So so when we say total depravity, I just feel like, Tori, you've had people put heavy loads on your shoulders and they've been unwilling to help you. And I just want to tell you, that's not the gospel. That is not what Jesus came to do. And, and I just, I, if you end up rejecting it, uh, God gives you the freedom to do that. And, and we're going to keep loving you no matter what, but like, don't reject it unless you've tasted the real thing. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's my prayer for me because I get away from this. I start putting the loads on myself, but I need people to bring me back to the gospel. I need God himself actually to bring me back. And when I go back to him, he is always faithful to point me back to his word and to things in scripture like this, that that is the bedrock truth. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care what people say to you. Is it true in scripture? That's, that's your bottom line. And when I read scripture, I see Jesus just saying incredible things like this. Preach. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I did preach that. Yeah. That was a bit of a soapbox, but yeah, I'm passionate about it. We're getting, we're getting it wrong a lot. Okay. I'm done. That no, that was great. It was so great. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I don't really feel like I have any follow-up questions. It's a lot to chew on. Yeah. 
It is a lot. Uh, Casey, real quick, would you, um, you shared the gospel. Would you share why, why you worship Jesus? Because something that's come up that I think maybe will come up in every episode with Tori. What? <laughs> I know you're going to say, and I feel bad no. about saying it the way that I did in the first episode. I, I think it's so important because it really comes back to Jesus, right? It really always comes back yeah. to him. So I want to hear what people, how people respond to this. And it's not a shame thing at all. I, I think it's a valid, a valid question. So Tori, you go ahead and ask him. I just feel, <laughs> I feel like I, okay. In the first episode, I said something of the sorts of like, I think Jesus is a narcissist, which what I really meant was it seems like it seems a little bit like in Christianity, we've made him out to be one. And like, we've almost made him an idol. Like, it's almost like we've made Jesus an idol. And like, we're just worshiping. We've, we've revolved everything around this one man, which historically is like kind of a red flag in a lot of areas and for a lot of other things, you know? So uh, not that Jesus was bad. Like, I think, I think this, I love the story of Jesus. I think Jesus is beautiful. Like this beautiful person, but sometimes I think Christianity like has created an idol out of him. So what do you have? So like, what are your thoughts on that? (laughs) Completely valid question. Honestly, completely valid question. Um, I think if Jesus is just a man, you're completely right. I'm, I'm doing what humans always do. I'm putting my eggs in the wrong basket. I'm setting myself for, up for catastrophic disappointment. I'm not only that, I'm, I'm doing something that if there is a God and Jesus isn't him is like blasphemy. I'm like elevating and we all are elevating this guy to heights he never should have been put up to. And, and the consequences for that are, are just devastating. I don't mean like God smiting us necessarily. I just mean, I just mean um, like, yet yeah, narcissism is bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to explain the consequences of narcissism. It's, it's bad. It's never good. But if Jesus is the divine logos, the word made flesh, the beginning and the end, the one who created everything, everything that I love, everything that I love, laughter, chocolate, llamas, <laughs> ultimate frisbee, mountains, sunshine, like love connection he he made that and he's worthy of it um and he's trustworthy uh and he's not going to judge me for the the times i waver and honestly tori he's not going to judge you for the times you waver either that door is always open to come back to him um and, and your, your pain is validated, to be honest. It's validated. I don't think God is upset at you for feeling the way that you do. Um, I think the door is wide open. Um, and, and there's just no one like that. There's just no one like that. Um, I mean, I could say more. I, I just think, I just think, yeah, there's, there's no one like that. If he is who he says he is, then, then he's worthy of our worship. Um, and not only that, the fullness of joy, the life that we're all craving is found in him. Um, and I can honestly say I've, I've experienced that. I really have. I, I've gone to bed with no secrets. I've lived in a lot of secrets throughout my life. But I've also, there have been moments where I've, I've been freed of, of the guilt and the shame. I, I like, there's nothing I have to hide from anyone. 
um, I've woken up and I, like, and again, not all the time, but I've woken up and I've, I've realized that even the smallest things I do, if I give a cup of cold water to a kid, you know, not that I'm like doing much of that. <laughs> it's not a lot of kids. I don't know. It's a weird example, whatever, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Cause Jesus said it. Cause Jesus said it like that matters. Like he sees it. A bird doesn't drop out of a tree. Like, so yeah, I just, yeah, my short answer is he's worth it. And, um, and I just want to encourage you to like, um, if God's not looking at you, uh, frustrated by you for asking these questions and neither am I, neither. I know I can speak for you, Janelle, and, and no one else should be either. Like, um, this process takes time and, and like, we've been clear, like where we think the answers are, but, but yeah, just, I want you to go with that, that like God is with you on this journey and that, that, um, that if you bring this stuff to him, he, he's going to be trustworthy with it. So I'll end it there. Tori, I have a couple final short questions for him, but if you have any final thoughts, I'd go ahead. I just, I really appreciate everything you've said. I mean, it's, I feel like I'm kind of quiet because I, I'm just thinking and I'm like taking it all in and I love what you had to say. So um, thank you. Thank you for being here and talking to me. It really does mean a lot to me because I feel like I haven't had a space to ask these questions to, to people that I want to ask. Like, I, of course, there's a space to ask these questions outside of the church and outside of Christianity but that's not where I wanted to ask those questions. And uh, so I just thank you for being here and thank you for setting this up, Janelle. And I just feel like I'm so special to be a part of this. So thanks, Casey, for being here. No, thank you. Yeah, I feel, I feel the same way. Thanks for inviting me on, Janelle. And yeah, thanks for taking the time. Well, so. I really appreciate it. Um, real quick, uh, Casey, for somebody listening who is kind of where Tori is right now, just... <sighs> just not knowing where to find, maybe she or he feels like, I don't know where to find any, like somebody to talk to about these issues. And maybe for whatever reason, they can't come on and be a co-host, which you probably totally could if you want to apply, but right. Mm. Like that's, that's doesn't, that's not the be all end all. Right. So how, what would you suggest for somebody who's wrestling right now and doesn't want to look to, you know, Google for the answers or to, you know, some of these other people that are talking about doubt right now, because it's pretty, pretty prevalent out there. Yeah, that's hard. I wish that question were easier. I wish I could say, um, everyone's worthy of, of trusting honestly with, with these like moments in your life and these thoughts. But the truth is like, not everyone is going to be careful with your heart. And so, um, you should be careful with your heart too. Cause I think God is, um, and so, um, first and foremost, I would say, go to God, go to him. If he's real, then he's with you mm-hmm. right now. If he's real, he's not shocked or surprised by anything you've done, any doubts you're feeling, anything that's been done to you. In fact, he sees the truth of it better than you can. You might put guilt on yourself for things that were outside of your control. Um, you might also not feel guilt for things that were under your control, but he's going to gently, kindly bring that to your attention. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And so I would start with him. I would start with your inner life and your inner dialogue with God. And and um, and then, yeah, I mean, one of the things that I've prayed um, in my life and I, I've seen God come through for me and, and um, 
I recognize that there might be long seasons where this doesn't happen um, as well, but I would just ask him for those people. Um, and this goes for whether or not you think Jesus is a made up fairy tale or what. If you even think there's a possibility that there's a God out there, sometimes I just say, why not pray like an agnostic's prayer? And just be really honest with God and say, God, I don't even know if you exist. I don't even know the truth about any of this. But if you do, will you show me? Mm-hmm. Um, why not? Honestly, because it's not like like a lot of clever people say a lot of clever things. And um, uh, this has been a great conversation, but I don't want you to think that this is the end all be all. Like you found some smart people on YouTube um, <laughs> willing to have this conversation and that's your answer. I think the answer is right next to you. It's, it's in the quiet places of your heart because the God who made you is listening. Um, so that would be my first, that would be my first advice. Um, and just, you know, take it from there. So be a co-host with Janelle. I think what a great opportunity. Why not? <laughs> Thanks for the plug. Fun. <laughs> um, what, what book in the Bible would someone start with just off the top of your head, Casey, if you were brand new to opening up the Bible and you wanted to know, yeah. is this really... Something to trust because we've talked a lot about scripture and how uh, how how much you respect it. So where would you open up? Because it's a little intimidating to open up a book. Totally, I would start with Matthew, Matthew's Gospel. Um, and I'll do you one better. If you're an auditory learner, I would listen to the Streetlights Bible app version of Matthew's Gospel. Um, there's this group called Streetlights. I think they're based out of Chicago. They're amazing. It's just, they're just reading scripture, but it's, it's really well done. And um, I think for me, that makes scripture pop because I know Matthew's gospel is, I think the best thing they've recorded so far because they really take the time with the text. And so you hear that come through in the way that they read what Jesus is saying. And so it helps me even when I have a hard time imagining um, like the context and the dialogues that's happening. It's like streetlights, has really um, been a good way to like introduce me to scripture there. So, but yeah, I, I would start with Matthew's gospel. Awesome. Finding okay. something real podcast is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love of those four gifts that we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ. Which of those stands out to you the most in your life right now, Casey and why? Gosh, you ask that every time. Janelle, and it's such a, it's such a brutal question. Um, those are such good things. Ah, um, yeah, I I think right now I'm really appreciative of the authenticity that God lets us have. He's never impressed by our, our, uh, BS, you know, he, he already knows. And so we're allowed to be authentic with him. And that's something that I don't think a lot of Christians, even if they know that they believe it, I don't think that's a lot that something that they practice. And, um, and so I'm appreciative of the, the space God gives us to be authentic when we come to him. Um, cause that's real relationship. That's what makes it exciting to wake up every day and know him. So, Amen. all right. Well, Tori Carpenter and Casey Leander, thank you guys so much for being here until next time. Thank you for listening to the finding something real podcast friend this season. We are inviting co-hosts to join me to share their personal stories, and to ask their honest questions about the Christian faith. Each month, we hope to feature a different co-host and together invite guests on to share from their own faith journeys and experiences. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
And I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all about what's so great about Jesus, I hope you come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with Him. Until next time.